Have you ever been to a concert or a show, go to see an act, go to uh, be entertained in some form or fashion? And usually if you do that, if you're going to see a a major act, uh, they have somebody that's kind of the, uh, what we call the warm-up, right? His or her job, whether they're an entertainer or a comedian or a musician, is to basically get the audience kind of excited about being there. But but there's this irony in that the warm-up guy or lady or group has an understanding that everybody who's there is not there to see them. They're they're waiting for the main act. Um, I tell you that to say, tonight I am the warm-up act. Uh, there are a lot more of you here than normally are on Sunday night. And I thought, man, these people are really excited to hear about Luke 11. And I was like, oh yeah, they're not. <laughs> Uh, Maybe they are, but uh, what they're really here for, uh, parents and grandparents, and we are glad that you're here, is to see uh, the main act, which is coming up after the final amen. That would be our kindergarten graduation program. So I know lots of you are saying, come on, let's get through the warm-up act here so we can get to the real show. And uh, so I will respect your time, and I appreciate you being here tonight. And uh, Mary and Stacy and Cheryl and, and the whole crew there have just done a great job for many years with this uh, kindergarten program. And the graduation is certainly a milestone that we want to acknowledge and, and, and uh, support in not just with our words, but with our attendance. And so I would encourage you after, you know, the final amen, to just remain seated. They're going to start almost immediately after. They've got to move some stuff around here and... And then we're going to get started. And I hope you'll just, you know, stay put, stay seated, and encourage those little ones. Because that's important for them. It's important for their parents, important for their grandparents too. And it'll be good for you. Now, I realize not everybody wants to stay. Not everybody signed up for that. Okay, if you don't love Jesus or little children, you just go ahead and leave. And that's fine. We won't. Well, maybe we'll judge you. I don't know. I'm kidding. Uh, But I hope you'll stay tonight. And uh, thanks to Mary and Stacy and all involved with putting that together. Um, tonight I called an audible. Audible is, you know, um, here's the plan the coach has, the quarterback is, uh, you know, supposed to execute that plan. But sometimes the quarterback says, hey, you know, we're going to do a little bit different than what we plan to do tonight. So tonight there's not going to be a PowerPoint. Uh, I just got something I want to say to you from the heart. And uh, we're not going to even be in the book of Luke. So I know that's shocking to many of you, but uh, we are going to be in the Bible. And I hope you'll turn to Matthew chapter 7. Today, while you're turning there, uh, today I had an experience that I have every so often. I know Steve does. I know Bill did. Lewis did too back in the day. Uh, And that is this, that um, because Know Your Bible's been around for uh, 30, what it is, 33 years now, um, you know, people have seen us around on television. Uh, they see us restaurants and they say, hey, we enjoy the program or, hey, we really, really appreciate your answers and things like that. And we always receive it graciously. Today, I had one of those moments. I went to buy something I had purchased off of Facebook Marketplace and went to meet the guy pulled into his driveway. And just the moment that I stepped out of the car and was looking him in the eye, I could tell, he kind of cocked his head, and he was squinting, I could tell he was thinking, he's like, I've met you somewhere before. And uh, I said, well, I, I'm not sure where. Uh, you kind of have a familiar face, but, I mean, quite honestly, I there's a lot of familiar-looking faces, so I don't know where I've met this guy before. I'm kind of hoping I didn't cut him off in traffic or anything like that. But 
Anyway, he said, uh, he said, well, what do you do? I said, well, I'm a minister of at Northside Church of Christ. And he said, I, I said, you, you may have seen, seen me and Steve on, on television. Said, oh, yeah, that's it. Know your Bible. Know your Bible. We love that show. Uh, he said, it's amazing to me uh, how much, how many different questions you get and how well prepared you guys are. You have a lot of good information. Now, I know he meant well. I knew he meant that as a complimentary thing. But tonight I want to I just give you a thought that I've had for a while, and it's this. Ours is not an information problem. Ours is more often than not a transformation problem. Especially in the world of, you know, the information age and the internet, right? You all can, I can go and exposit and I can exegete on a Sunday night and I can give you all sorts of information. You can do that in your Bible class. But really, you can sit right where you are and you can cross-check and fact-check the preacher as he's doing it in real time. The access to information has never been more readily available, especially when it comes to the Bible. You can not only listen to your preacher, but, I mean, there might be some of you that listen to other preachers on podcasts. You wouldn't do your preacher that way, would you? You hear people on podcasts and you watch them on Vimeo and YouTube. Ours is not an information problem. I I can go up basically at any time at, at my fingertips. I can have nine or ten translations, English translations of the Bible. I can look at the original language. I can, I can study it as deep as I want to. I can do that from, from basically anywhere. But mine's not an information problem, and neither is yours. Our problem, even before the information age, has never been an information problem. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus wraps up one of the best sermons ever preached, one of the most moving sermons ever preached, one of the most discussed and debated and studied, well-known sermons, the Sermon on the Mount. And he finishes the sermon, as all good preachers do, by telling a story. We are starting in uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Now, Jesus starts here, and this is not to the story yet, but, but he's making a point. He says this, verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Lots of people intellectually believe that Jesus is Lord. Would say they believe in God. But that's see, that's an information, that's an intellectual thing. That's not the problem. The problem is there's a disconnect between the information and the transformation. It's the one who does the will of of my Father who's in heaven. In fact, Jesus says, on many, many will say to me on, on that day, we talked about that day this morning, many, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not do all these things, prophecy and cast out demons and do many mighty works in your name? And all these are seemingly good things, but the problem is, that wasn't the will of the Father. He never asked them to do those things. You see, it's not an information problem. It's not even a works problem. It's a transformation problem. They didn't do the will of the Father. Jesus said, when it comes down to that, that's the big issue. Not do you know, not how many sermons have you sat through, not how many classes have you been to, but how much transformation has occurred in your life. In other words, are you doing the will of the Father. 
Jesus tells this story. We're in verse 24 now. Everyone then who hears these words of mine. Now, see, I've, I've preached on the Sermon on the Mount. I'm pretty sure you've heard it. I did a whole series on it. You probably went into Bible class. You probably heard other preachers preach on the Sermon on the Mount. That's not the issue. Because, see, Jesus didn't stop with everyone who hears these words of mine. What he said was, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Jesus says a wise person builds their house based on something. We might call it a worldview. But in other words, we're taking what Jesus has taught and beginning to apply it within our lives. That's building on the rock. That's the wise thing to do. Now, verse 26. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall. Now, if you're a wise Bible student, you've noted here that the wise man and the foolish man had very much in common when it came to listening to a sermon when it came to knowing the scriptures, when it came to hearing a Bible class, a rabbi or a teacher talk about the word of God. But that was not the problem. The problem was not in the inspiration. The problem was in the transformation. Jesus said the wise man and the foolish man both go to the same Bible class. But the wise man takes what he hears in the Bible class or what he hears in the sermon or what he reads in the book or in their case, the scroll, and he begins to transform himself by applying the word of God to his life. The foolish man just reads it and shuts it. He goes to class, he leaves class. He comes to worship, he leaves worship. Lather, rinse, repeat. There's no change. It's all about hearing. It's all about information. But at some point, you've got to make the connection from information to transformation. And that's what the wise man does. Jesus says, if you're going to study my sermon, read my sermon, then make sure you apply my sermon. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And the wise man's house stood firm. I know I didn't do the rain, didn't do the floods. I got it. We're in a kindergarten audience. I'll let them do all that. Just get it. It is not how much information you get. It's how much that information begins to take hold and transform who you are, and how you live. And Jesus would call that how you build your house. Storms are coming. Wind and waves are going to crash over your life. Will your house stand? Only if you have built wisely. But a foolish builder has heard lots of sermons. A 
A foolish builder has, has lots of information. A foolish builder might even be a daily Bible reader. See, the difference is he's not applying and he's not being transformed. In the time I have left, please join me over in the book of James, chapter 1. James, of course, is faith with blue jeans on, as one commentator once said. And I've always kind of liked that because, it, it, in other words, it's Jesus' wisdom with work clothes on. Jesus' wisdom applied. And the brother of Jesus says these words. He writes them out, James chapter 1, verse 22 and following. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. Jesus would say that, be wise, not foolish. But see, we think of fools as people who just act in a, a foolish, godless way, what, what Jesus and his brother James are saying is there are people who hear the word but never begin to do the word. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, and he looks at himself and he goes away and forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts will be blessed in his doing. James, move over to chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in food, and one of you says, go in peace, be warmed and filled, and I will pray for you, that's my addition there, without giving them the things that are needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. James cannot be any more clear about the matter than his brother Jesus was. We must be not just about the hearing, but about the doing. Not just about the information, but about the transformation. And that only comes when we begin to do what the book says to do. Oh, I'll be glad to teach the word, and your Bible teachers will too. And Northside has a strong history, and we'll continue to do that. But that's not where transformation happens. Transformation happens in the doing of God's Word. Knowing is not enough. It's never been enough. It's trusting God enough to do what He said to do. That's simple, faith-filled obedience. May we not be people of just information, May we be people about the transformation. May you live that out this week. There was, in a distant land far away, one of the wisest men who ever lived. People would come from far and wide to hear his wisdom. He was a great teacher, would say profound things, and never a person had been able to stump him when he would presented with a question or problem. His reputation grew and, well, there were two young lads who were rather mischievous, 
who decided that they could stump the wise old man. And so they proceeded to do so. And the plan they hatched was simply this. They decided to trap a little bird and put it in their hands. And they would carry it up to the man's house. And while one was holding it in hand, the other would knock at the door. And when he opened the door, the wise man would be asked this question. Man, tell us, is the bird in our hands alive or dead? The wise man would reply, and no matter how he would reply, he would be wrong. Because if he would say, well, I perceive, I hear the sound of the bird in your hands, that the bird is alive. And at that moment, the one holding the bird would crush the bird and kill it, proving the man wrong. And and if he would say, well, I perceive the bird makes no sound, and perhaps you have already killed it, the bird must be dead. At that moment, the one holding the bird would release the bird and let it free. They had launched, they thought, in their minds, a perfect trap. They marched to the man's house. One held the bird. The other knocked on the door. The wise man opened the door and heard the question and assessed the situation. And looking at the little one, boy, holding the bird in his hands, answered them in this way. The bird that you hold in your hands, he is as you will it. And they realized that the wise man could not be stopped. The wise man had answered their question correctly. You see, the bird's fate was in their hands. When you think about your life and your walk with God, the decision to move from information to transformation is completely within your hands. If you have not been living in a way, in obedience to God, been yielding your, yourself, your life, your heart to him fully as the wise man did by obeying and doing what he said to do, I would encourage you to be set free this evening. To repent of your sin and to let Jesus be Lord, and to follow him and obey him and begin building your life on the firm foundation that is Jesus the Christ. Information, transformation. The choice is up to you. May we choose wisely. Tonight, the decision is yours. If you have a need, the moment is in your hands. It is as you will it. If you have a need, please come as together we stand and sing.